Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But going back to what I'm talking about as far as home for Christmas and a taste for Christmas and, and all those things, I've, I've really been thinking about this whole year. Some of you hadn't been with us from the very beginning, but every year I kind of... I kind of have a theme in my own personal life. Like I, I take kind of a verse and like that's my verse for the year and that's where it's, it's amazing how the devotional life even goes in that direction with everything I study. And this whole year, uh, my whole theme has, has been, Lord, I, I just want to see it. I, I want to see things the way you see it. I want to I not just see with mere my, my manly eyes. I want to see things the way you see them and have a clear direction and a clear vision. And, and I was thinking about this aspect of, of tasting and, and home because one of the reasons why we gave you the Buckeyes, one of the reasons why we gave you the hot chocolate is because we want you to get in your Christmas fields. Like, we want you to taste some things that are back home, and we want you to go to this photo booth and take pictures and, and put that stuff on social media and, and be like, man, we, we got our pictures done, and we got some different things, because we want to put you in those moments. But it, it's really because I've got one scripture that I'm going to be praying over all of us, and it's found in Psalms. It's found in Psalms. It's Psalms. And I'll turn there, 34, verses 8 and 9, and listen to what this says. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Now, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but this is just kicking off the message. But I want you to know that that, that is literally my prayer for us this year. I, I want us to taste and to see. And that word taste is actually, I'll give you more background than you need, okay? You ready? This is David writing this psalm. This is right before he flees, and he, he has fled. He's, he's went away from uh, Saul, who was trying to kill him, and he has this Amalek that's trying to get him, and he, he now has understood that he doesn't have to have fear or have refrain, but now he writes this psalm out of a celebration, understanding that God is as good as he is, and he can trust the Lord, and he doesn't have to live in fear. And out of that, he says, oh, talking to everybody else, he says, oh, taste and see. And the word taste in Old Testament is used parallel with the word experience. Like in Hebrew language, they would use a lot of physical attributes to describe other things. And so when they were saying taste and see, what they were saying is experience it. Experience the Lord and that he is good. See that the Lord is good. Fear the Lord. And that's not fear like, ooh, I'm so scared. It's the aspect of knowing his place. Whenever you see the word fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's not being afraid of. It's a reverence of putting him in his right place. Put him in the right place of your life and see if you don't lack nothing. Now, I'm not going to sit up here. We're not a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel type church. I don't believe you accept Jesus, and the next thing you know, you got checks in the mail. Now, I'm not going to say it won't happen either, but I'm just saying that's not the way we believe. But I do know this. When we put our trust in the Lord and we put him in his rightful place, then life has a way of reprioritizing. And the things that right now we feel like we lack, we realize we really don't lack, we just don't need. And then the things that we don't even realize we want, we end up having, and we realize we couldn't have done life without it. And that is my prayer. My prayer this year is that we will create a house that becomes a home for people to come and to taste and to see. And there's no better time than do that than Christmas. 
I grew up in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. I will go there on December the 26th. And I guarantee you when I get there, there'll be these little candles that have been there for the last umpteen years of my life. These little candles in the window that have the little light bulb, those little things. I mean, like, like I already know what to expect. And you say, why doesn't your mom change that up? I hope she doesn't. Because it's the things that I have learned to experience that that means it's Christmas. And that's what I expect at my home. And I'm wondering if there's expectations on us. Today's message is literally entitled, Let Them Taste It. Like, I wonder if just like today you walked in and you may have not even realized, hey, it's the kickoff of Christmas at Crossroads. But it didn't take you long to realize it, did you? You saw the amazing sign and the garland on the steps. You walked in and all of a sudden you see this hot chocolate bar and and peanut butter balls. You look down there and there's this amazing photo booth. You walk in here and you see the trees and the lights. And all of a sudden you're going, okay, if this ain't the kickoff to Christmas, then they're really missing it, right? And all of a sudden you start going, okay, I'm ready. Now for some of you, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And this is your day, right? This is the day that you set up your Christmas at the house. But I want you to know that you can... You can set up all the decor, you can buy all the gifts, and you can do all the things that you want to do and get to the end of this season and pack all that stuff up and never create it something that somebody wanted. In fact, I want to show you out of 1 Peter, a passage that I've never preached, but I spent some time studying it. 1 Peter, if you want to turn, if you have a paper Bible, we're going to be in chapter 2, you can be on your phone or on your tablet. But I want to show for you that each one of us has a role. Each one of us has a role this Christmas season that we play in helping people go from from going to a house to going to a home. And I I think if we were to be honest, the older I get, that's what I want more than anything. Like the older I get, I I, I want my kids to want to come back. I want my kids to be like, hey, dad, you want to go play golf? Yeah, I do. (laughs) You know, it's like, dad, do you want, yes. I want my kids to have a safe place, and it's not because of a place that we live that's a building, but it's a home that's been created. And I think that all of us have a role in making the house the home. And this Christmas, I want to give you some very definite things to kick off that I think has got to be a part of your life in order for you to allow your family and your friends to taste and to see that the Lord is good. I truly believe in 2022, one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons why people have walked away from the local church is because they ain't getting anything they think that's worth chasing or taking. The church has become, as Scripture says, it's become saltless or tasteless. It's been thrown among the swine to be trampled on. And we need to pick that light back up. And we need to, like, when we walk in the room, we need to make things better. We need to be the life of the party. We need to have joy on our face and a song in our heart. And people need to be like, man, I like it when you show up because everything gets good. Yes, sir, it will. And to not worry about some of the other stuff. And let me give you a very applicable message straight out of God's word that will tell you exactly what I think you need to do to make this happen. Are you ready? Join me in chapter two of 1 Peter, verse one. First of all, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Now, I'm going to hit the pause button several times because this message, all I got to do is read it. This ain't me preaching. This is just me reading today. But your first step, 
this holiday season to giving people something that they're going to taste and be like, mm, man, that's good. Like, I want more of that. Your first step is you got to put some stuff down. Can I, can I go ahead and, and, and tackle the elephant in the room that's on a lot of people's hearts? Yes, there are things in your past that have caused struggles in your family, even with your friends. And as long as you allow to hold on to that, it's not going to get any better. And if you think that this year's the year that you're going to pray, and they're going to come to you and say, you know, the Lord spoke to me, and I need to apologize to you, then you're going to end this Christmas the same way you started it. Because your forgiveness is not based on somebody else's apology. And what God is calling you to do is saying, listen, quit allowing the things that are holding you and your family and your friends and your life back and lay those things down so that you can move forward. In staff, we have eight characteristics. We have eight characteristics that we say are our staff values. One of the last ones is that we lead open-handedly. The reason why we lead open-handedly is because if you're clenching something and you're leading closed-handed, what you, you can't receive anything. And so we tell our staff and tell myself all the time, let's lead open-handedly. Listen, some of you, in order to make this house a home, you need to let go of some stuff. Because not only are you holding on to some things and it's holding you back, but you're also missing out on receiving a whole lot of stuff. Like this year, God wants to speak to you. He wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to move you forward. And you can't do that as long as you're holding on for dear life to this thing in the past. And listen, I get it. For some of you, it's the drama that to not have that drama, you don't know what you're going to do with your life. Like it's what you think about and dwell about all the time. And listen to me. There is more life to be had. There's a home to come home to. And I want to encourage you just as God's word says, and I'm not going to dissect each one of these words, but I want you to put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And then listen to what it says. Then it tells you to do something. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that, they, that by it may grow up into salvation. But it's saying, you know what? We want you to not only put these things away, but we want you to long for the spiritual milk. Now, the word spiritual there is actually the Greek word that's the root logos. And it's where we get the, the actual logos in Greek translated into English is word. And what it's talking about is, is he's saying, I want you to long for his word so that through it, you can grow up in your salvation. Now, that's not growing up like it one day you're going to earn salvation. What that's talking about is that salvation is not just a prayer, but it's a decision to grow. Salvation is not just a moment in your life you pray to receive Christ and now you are saved. No, Christ said, no, I got more for you. I want you to continue to get my word because I've got more to give you that's going to help save your life, give you purpose to your life. Now, you have went from death to life, you have a personal relationship with Christ, you can't get more saved. That's not what I'm talking about. But what he is saying is that through a relationship with Christ and getting into his word, he has more for you than what you're willing to accept. Like, it, it, it's like the wedding day, right? 
Like your wedding day is not the climax of your relationship. It's actually the beginning and launching pad. And that's how your relationship with Christ should be. And he's saying, I want you to, and then listen to what he says. He goes, I want you to do this, that you may grow up into salvation. And then listen to the next verse. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. It goes back. He is actually quoting, Peter is quoting King David in this Psalms. And he's basically saying, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you would do these things. First question I have for you guys today. And, I, and I'm at this stage where, where you go from participating in Christmas to where you're actually the catalyst of creating Christmas. And you go from, from having family traditions to creating family traditions. And you're in this stage, and, and it's, listen, I'm going to sound like an old man, and I'm just coming to grips with it. I'm becoming one every day. And it goes by so quick. Like it seems like only yesterday we were doing different things to get ready for Christmas. And the kids were little. And the big decision was, what size Tonka truck were we going to buy? And it's like we blinked and it's like, oh, what, what, what happened? Like, like this house to a home your life is but a vapor. It's fleeting. And all of a sudden, you're on the other side of it. And don't miss me wrong, I'm not upset about this. Because I know I'm getting closer, closer to the moment I've been waiting for all my life. Where I'm going to move from daddy to pops. And I'm going to be the best pops in the world. And my kids are going to say, daddy, we don't do that with your child. Yes, we do when they're at my house. You're like, well, we got rules. He's not at my house. We don't have rules. And I'm sure Lolly's going to be like, you can't do that. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll be going to marriage counseling. Oh, yes, I can. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking forward to all of it, right? But it's one of those things that, that in that process, what I'm more looking for is creating something that all of my family, when they come in, they feel like they're at home. And that doesn't happen without being into God's word. That doesn't happen by holding on to grudges and frustrations in the past. That doesn't happen by allowing something that when you think back of it, like we really are in a fight for this many years over that. But it comes from getting into God's word and letting that word renew you. Listen to what it says next. It's, it's really good. It, it actually will reiterate what I'm talking about. Verse four. As you come to him, this is talking about us coming to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. I love the fact that it says living stones, because what I want to encourage you is, is our vision. I want you to be life-giving. This holiday season, don't be life-sucking. Be life-giving. And he's saying, I want you to show up and, and be living stones. Be people that are making a difference. I am using you to build up a spiritual house. You could translate that word, a spiritual home. Like he is calling you to this. And then listen to what it says. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ. And then he quotes some of the Old Testament. He says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Like I'm gonna tell you the second step. The first thing you need to do is you need to lay some stuff down. And then the second thing is you need to pick up his word. The third thing, you need to quit letting people put shame on you. Like, I, I'm, I, one of my biggest things, is, it's like been my, like, devotion, like everything I'm doing in my personal life, I keep coming back in God's Word, and this word, shame, shame, shame. And it's amazing how the world has taken godly things and godly people, and they want to put shame on them. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you're not good enough to do that. Oh, you, like, like how do you handle that? Well, as part of me says, you just punch them in the mouth, but I know that's not the biblical thing to say. But what you can do is you can choose to say, you know what? I'm not going to let you be the author of the shame that comes put in my life. Like, I don't know about you, but I know me. I know some of the choices I make. I don't need any help of feeling shame. Like, I'm pretty good at putting shame on myself because I'm like, ooh, dummy, why'd you do that? And I don't need anybody else to be like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shame, shame, shame. Like this is saying, listen, you need to put your stuff and let Jesus be Lord of your life and let him be the person and say, you know what? I don't look at you with shame. In fact, here's how I look at you. I look at you as so amazing and so precious that I'm gonna leave heaven and come to earth so that I can have a personal relationship with you. In fact, I'll show you here in a couple of scriptures just exactly what he thinks about you. But let's keep reading. The next verse. He says, for the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were destined to do it. Let me give you one more release. We're at number four. Are you ready? This holiday season, as you're making your house a home, is we're making this spiritual house a home. Listen, quit expecting ungodly people to act godly. Like, I get so tickled. I can't believe they did that. Well, why not? They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I don't know why somebody, well, why would they not act like that? Can you do yourself a favor? Turn the news channel off a little bit. Well, I can't believe people are killing. Yes, they, well, what do you expect them to do? They don't know Jesus. Like I get so into what this scripture is talking about is they are destined to disobedience because they do not know the word. Now that, that sounds like your release of like, whew, okay. So I can let some of my family members who act like uh, the backside of a donkey, I guess is the best way to put that. I can let, yeah, you can let them be like that. Why? Because they don't know no better. I think about funny times in my life. Ellie's my little precious one. She just, she's so sweet. And I'll forget recently, she, she said a word. I don't even remember what the word was. It wasn't something horrible, horrible, but it was a word that we choose not to use. And I was like, oh, I said, what'd you just say? And she said it again. And I was like, I was like, oh, you, you know, honey, we, we, don't, we don't use that word. I, I don't know if it's the D word or what, it, but it was, you know, if there's a such thing, it was a mild word, not like the really bad, you know. But it's like, I was like, oh, honey, we, we don't use that. And she was like, I was like, I was like did you know that? She goes, no, but I do now. And I was like, well, you're not in trouble. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to use that again. And she was almost embarrassed. Like, she's like, I didn't know that was a bad word, you know? And I was like, it's okay. But, you know, like, I just, I was like, listen to me. 
Can you give people some release? Part of making this house a home is the fact that, you know what, everybody's welcome and it's okay because you may be surprised that they just don't know any better. But you being judgmental and belittling and you throwing shame on them, that ain't gonna make it a home. You just need to very lovingly be like, ooh, mm, you know what, I just, mm. we probably don't need to use that word. I found that out this, you know, last, like two days ago. I had my, my little sweet niece tell me, shut up's a bad word. You shouldn't use that. She said, Uncle Mickey, did you know shut up's a bad word? That's like I do now. Now, I wasn't the one using it, but they'd heard somebody else say it, and they was like, at our house, shut up's a bad word. And I was like, somebody needs to tell my wife that. <laughs> yeah, but we just, we just laugh. But listen, let's strip away this holiday season, the judgment. And let's accept people where they are and let's just welcome them home. In fact, he he goes on to the next thing and listen to what he says about you. I told you I was gonna tell you what he thinks about you. Listen, he says, but you. that, that, That in Greek, that is a first person adjective. Like he is literally, when you read this, it's as if he's speaking your personal name. Like I could say, but Mickey, but Mason, but, I mean, I could, I could put your name, but Mark. Like you can put your personal name there. And this is what he's saying. But you, oh, but you, listen to how he speaks of you. You are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you were not, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, so sojourners as exiled, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wages war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, and that's basically referencing unbelievers. Keep your conduct among the unbelievers honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Can I go back? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim may proclaim, may speak, may may show people. You can let them taste and see that you have been called out of the darkness into marvelous light. I want to read for you something. I I believe that, that everybody struggles with this. We actually talk about this in growth track. We talk about four things that everybody struggles with. It's straight out of Moses' story. Everybody struggles with insecurity. Everybody struggles with inadequacy. Everybody struggles with fear. And if those things don't get them, the last thing they struggle with, they just daggum reluctant. When it comes to doing what God's called them to do, those four things are evident in everybody's life. You say, how do you combat those? You replace those characteristics with godly characteristics. At Crossroads, we say, we're going to love God in everything we do. And everything we're going to do, we're going to love people. And everything we're going to do, we're going to do things with excellence. And in everything we do, we're going to do it with the right attitude. But I came across this the other day, and I, I sent it to my daughter, my oldest daughter, Addie, 
Because I just, I just, I just thought, you know, sometimes nothing was wrong. You know, she, she's an awesome girl and great attitude. I just, I just wanted to remind her. And here's what it said. It said, whenever you feel inadequate, unworthy, or unloved, remember whose daughter you are and straighten your crown. I will always love you. Let me tell you something. I know when we read this, we may not feel like that sometimes. But you need to remember whose son or whose daughter you are. You need not let people put shame on you. And when you feel inadequate or unworthy or not, listen to me. You need to straighten your crown. Because God called you a royal priesthood. He called you sons and daughters of the king. You know what that makes you? That makes you prince and princesses. Like he, he bankrupt everything and came to this world. And we call it Christmas, but it's really, that, that's not even enough. That shows you how flawed our English language is, is in trying to describe godly things. Now, the reason why it's called Christmas is because it's actually two words, Christos, where we get the word Christ, and mos, which means with. And so Christmas is the fact that God is with us. But listen to me. Look at me. Straighten up your crown. Dust that thing off. Some of you are letting, you've put it on the ground, and you forgot who you are, and you've let life circumstances define you, and you've let other people's shame define you. Listen to me. You pick that thing up. This holiday season, you pick that thing up, you dust that thing off, and you put it back on your head where it belongs, and you go act like somebody. I believe that's what God's calling us to do. I think that's what those next scriptures are talking about when it says when it comes back to the Gentiles or the unbelievers. When, they, when these people are speaking of evildoers, you let your good works, you let your good deeds. This isn't about working for salvation. This is about showing people that they're loved and that you're loved. That you don't have to be defined what other people say, but you can do what God's called you to do. And then listen to how he's given us, if you want to know what the will is, it, we're going to drop down to verse 15, and I'm done. He literally says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That is actually the Greek word idiotos, where we get the word idiot. It's the same Greek word that's used over in the Gospel of John when they saw John and Peter, and they said, they, these guys are idiots but they've had to be with Jesus because of what's happening in their life. That's the same word used here. And listen to what it says. It gives you some things to do. He says, number one, live as people who are free. Like if we want to make this house a home, if you want to make your house a home, you got to start living like you're free, not like you're trapped. He said, Mickey, you don't understand some of the things I've done in the past. Tell me what things you've done that Jesus' love doesn't cover. Can you tell me what those are? I'd love to know. Which things have you done that on the cross, Jesus is like, I died for everything but, you know, geez, you know, but there was this one guy that's going to be living in 2022, and let me just tell you, like, I'm going to die for all sins but that one, because that one, let me tell you, not dying for that one. Please tell me how far God's grace goes. Because if it's limited, I'd like to know that because we got a misunderstanding. Like either I think God's the creator of the world, Yahweh, and, and is all-powerful, omnipotent, I mean, like all those things, 
but, but you're telling me he's not, and I need to know the truth. Like one of us has to be correct. And so let's get into God's word. Can you tell me what part of your past is not covered? He said, well, Mickey, all of it's covered. Well, then do me a favor, start living like it is. You know the hardest thing that the, the Jewish people, when they were in exile and they were in this exodus and they were going out and they were going towards their promised land, they were going towards their home. But in the process of getting to their home, they started struggling and they literally said, no, no, let us go back. Let us go back to captivity. Let us, at least there, we knew what we were gonna get. And I think that's where a lot of people live. God has a major home for you to get to. The problem is it ain't easy. And by, basically in the middle of it, you're gonna hit a point where you're gonna be like, you know, it'd be easier to live in captivity to the Egyptians than it is to pursue and get to this forever home. Let me tell you something, what I've learned, getting to the home's worth it. I'm not gonna tell you it's easy but I will tell you it's worth it. And it starts by you to start living like you're free, not like you're captive. If you were here last week, you remember me saying, hey, you know what free people do? Free people, free people. Freed people, free people. So live in freedom and allow other people to be free as well. And then listen to what else it tells you to do. It says live as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Like, I want to encourage you, even if you disagree with the people this year, honor them. Make them feel like the most important person in the room. Love the brotherhood. And fear God. Again, that fear God is not the concept of, of afraid. It's the aspect of putting him in his right place. And I think that's what it's going to take. In fact, can I take you to another step? Like the home for Christmas, I'd been joking around, and be like, you know, hey, we're, the theme is home for Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is on a Sunday, and we're going to be home for Christmas. That's not the reason why. See, this year, the, the theme of home for Christmas is for, for some of you. This isn't about Jesus coming to you and celebrating Christ coming to the earth. This year, it's about you going back home to him. It's about you making a decision saying, man, I remember a time in my life that, that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And man, life's just been tough. And I don't know when it happened, but there was some point that either somebody passed away or something traumatic happened in your life or or somebody invited you to a party and you had no idea that was going to lead to an addiction. Or you was in a relationship that didn't end the way you thought it should end. Or, or you had betrayal or you've been betrayed. or I don't know what it is. But you let the world and the frustrations in this fallen sinful world steal your joy and steal your home. You know, they, they say the hardest thing about a robbery is not the thing that people break in and take, but it's the security that you feel you lost that somebody came into your home and stole and touched your stuff. I remember when Amy and I were younger, we went to a trip in, in Florida and, and we had this vehicle we had as an Xterra and, 
And we got up that next morning and we went down there and somebody got in my truck. And they'd scrounge around and got all the change and they'd rummage through the armrest. And, and man, I remember I wasn't mad. I just like, man, somebody got my stuff. And it kind of messed me up for a few days. He's like, well, did they break in? No, I, I was that amazing person that like never locked his doors. <laughs> and then I wonder, like they didn't really break in. The reality is that I invited them into my truck to get my stuff <laughs> because I didn't lock it. And when you put that trust out there in a world where you're like, you know, why do we have to lock stuff? Why do we have to have, have these different things? Like, like why can't people respect? Listen, we can't expect ungodly people to act godly. That's why you have locks on your doors. And at the same time, when somebody does barge into your life and they take things from you, you can't let them take more than things and start getting into your security and your hope and your home. You know, if somebody broke into my house this week and stole everything, you know the one thing they couldn't steal? The things that make it a home. If heaven forbid something happened and my house burnt down this week, you know what that fire couldn't take? The things that make my house a home. If we are in this building for three, four more years in a school, you know what this school can't do? The school can't take away from us making this our church and our home. See, the things that make something a home are not things that you purchase or that you buy. It's something that you are. And I want to encourage you this holiday season to give them a taste of it. It's not about the bells and the whistles. It's not about the games around the table. It's not about trying to, it's literally, it's about the people in the room, the value you have for them, and the love that you show them. Can I invite you to come home? And not just to come home to a place of worship, but to allow your house to become a home where people want to come home to it, where there's no malice and slander and, and envy and struggles. Will you pursue his word like an infant for new, a newborn infant for milk? Where you want to well these things up, not because you feel like you have something to offer as much as you know that God has something to offer through you. And we're going to put you in all your Christmas fields for the next four weeks. But at the end of it, can I be very clear? You're the only person that can make yours a home. And it starts with you allowing your life to be Jesus Christ's home, where he dwells and where he lives and where he builds you up. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.